There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast, number 501. Got my 501 blues. This is my favorite episode and my favorite gene. Uh, this is Todd Berry. Oh, I wasn't here with this. <laughs> Thanks, Jonah Ray. <laughs> Um, I'll be performing at Caroline's Stand Up in New York, May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Uh, Mike Lawrence is opening for me. Hey, I love that Mike Lawrence. Mike Lawrence is a good one. So uh, that'll be fun. May 1st, 2nd, 3rd. Go to uh, Caroline's uh, website, get some tickets, or nerdist.com slash calendar. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley, which is Mike Judge's HBO comedy series, premiering Sunday, April 6th at 10 p.m. And all of our friends are... Every single one of our friends. Every one of them. <laughs> Every one of them. It's Martin Starr and Camille Anjani and uh, TJ Miller Middleditch. and Tom, Thomas Middleditch, who were on that. They were. We had the three of them on at midnight this past week. And um, anyway, it's uh, we were excited about the show because a even if our friends weren't on the show, it's Mike Judge and it's hilarious. Yeah. And on top of that, we have an intense emotional connection to the show and wanted to succeed because our friends are hilarious and and on it so uh silicon valley hbo sunday night april 6th 10 p.m watch it uh this episode of the podcast is todd barry uh i should welcome people to the nurse podcast welcome to nurse podcast episode number 29 <laughs> yeah man hey, what man. happened Hey, man. Hey, man. What do you mean, man? Oh, I get it. I didn't even know. Todd Berry's new uh, comedy special, Crowdwork, is available on louisck.net for $5. Directed by Lance Bangs. What? Who uh, did the current Slint documentary. He did a documentary on Pavement. He is the director of uh, The Meltdown with Jonah Kamel. Oh, Kamel Nanjiani's Meltdown. Yeah, Kamel Nanjiani's Meltdown. Uh, <laughs> nerd Melt. Um, at, uh, yeah, so there's... Uh, He's good. He's a really good guy. Yeah, and so uh, just bring that all back around. Todd Berry, hap- Todd Berry is rarely in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. He happened to be here promoting a special, so, uh, so we pinned him down to talk about all things Todd Berry and uh, the mysterious episode number 29. Oh. You like Yo Latango? Yo. Yeah, I drum with them. Yo. Yo. Latango. I play drums. Now entering Nerdist.com.
isn't cold to tie. No, it is cold. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. good. I always feel like I always feel like a big puss because in LA, it's like it's sixty-two degrees, you guys. I mean, it's not. Well, tomorrow when I get home, I'll be like, oh, you were right. What's the weather like in New York these days? Is it freezing there? Because I have to go there in a couple days. I think it's like twenty degrees. God damn it! It's almost April. What are you doing? I know. I, th- I think it, it's just gonna fluctuate. Fuck. Bring a coat, though. <laughs> You don't tell me what to do, Todd. <laughs> Why didn't I listen to Todd? <laughs> what are you doing in Los Angeles? Are you? Are you? What do you? What, what brought you out? Seriously? Oh, I. Uh, well, I got a new special that's out. The Crowdwork special. The Crowdwork special that came out Friday on Louis C.K.'s. Doc- are, are we on the air? Yes. Are we? Oh, that okay. I did know. I did know that. The when did we came start out. recording? I don't know. A while ago, like oh, an hour ago. Oh my god! I got. We got you driving over here and parking, and uh, no, I mean I, Kyle driving you over here from the. I did this Crowdwork special. It came out. Um, Friday. It was supposed to come out Saturday. Then a New York Times article came out a little sooner than we thought online, and then we said, we said, <laughs> might as well get it out online, since people are hearing about it now, because they'll forget about it. Yes. That's the uh, beauty of the internet. I know. Is that it just moves, everything just gets swept up. But the, uh, yeah, the special's called Todd Barry the Crowdwork Tour, which I think you know the premise. Is it all crowdwork? It's all crowdwork. I did a seven-city tour of just crowdwork. Now, that's the kind of thing that I think a lot of comics in the back of their head go, oh, someday it'd be really funny if I did this, but no one ever actually does it because it's uh, horrifying. Yeah, I, I guess I was, just, uh, I was just a little bored with myself. If you can imagine me getting bored with myself, <laughs> this exciting personality. But I got a little bored, and I was just like, and I had done a special that was out. Because oh, the, the tour documentary is the second crowd work tour i did i did one back in january but i did that because i was just like oh am i gonna do this thing where you're like uh i'm going on tour and i'm not gonna do one joke from my special which came out you know three weeks ago just like do you are you pretty forgiving about because i feel like i'm not allowed to i thought i was not allowed to do I, jokes yeah, i think special. uh i mean i'd love it if i could just churn it out an hour every three months but like louis i think because <laughs> there were times you know i would do yeah like louis where times where I would, you know, go on the road and you're like, oh, I don't know if I should do this joke from the special. And then you do it and it gets bigger reaction than the stuff that's like, and you're like, okay, 2% of these people saw it. And then, the and then you want to blame them like, it's your fault for supporting these jokes. I know, I know. It's, I mean, that's always the... Uh, don't you understand? This is like the Galapagos. I'm going to do what you support. Exactly. Like I didn't, I didn't write these to do them once. <laughs> Did you have that thing when you first started where you're like, I'm never going to repeat a joke ever again, and then quickly went, oh, that's dumb? Uh, no, I don't think I ever had that, but I, I, I also think that people didn't think about that as much as they do now, because, I mean, I guess it was always Carlin who would, who would do a, you know, always do a special pretty frequently, but, I mean, there's guys have been doing the same act for 15 years. Which is pretty amazing, because yeah. there are only so many cities. I mean, it feels like there's an infinite number of places to perform, but when you really get into it, there, there aren't. Yeah, and sometimes you hear about people who are like the, the big wig in a certain city, and they've been there. They mainly stay there, and you go, oh, do they write a lot? No, they kind of do the same. Like, so <laughs> not only doing the same act, but in the same city for... 20 years. Well, there's, and that's, that's like comfort food comedy where people are like, oh, I know the jokes. I know I'm going to laugh. I'll just go back. I haven't seen him for a while, so it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's weird because, uh, yeah, you could either get like someone who's like, oh, I, I'm so glad you do. You see them get excited because they know the joke you're about to do. Yeah. Or 
you just get some vitriolic. I bought your your album came out yesterday, and you did a joke from it the next day. And, <laughs> Fucking heck! Well, <laughs> yeah, but what about the other fifty nine right. minutes? <laughs> right. Well, I've sold a hundred albums since yesterday. So, <laughs> and if there's if every one of those people showed up tonight, have, have you talked to Louis at length about the whole I'm going to do a special every year thing? Uh he's too busy writing. No, uh, I. No, I haven't talked to him at length. I mean, I, th- I think think it's a great thing to do because you could just you could go to you know Portland and then next year come to Portland and go. I'm not doing anything you did. I did last time I was in Portland. Yeah, and a lot of those people will come back. I mean, I did like I I thought his last special was phenomenal. Sometimes though, I really do wish like oh that was such a great. If you had just had more time to work on that, you could have gotten like. You could have gone like three levels deeper on it, right. but I think maybe I'm just being selfish. I won't tell him you said that, but the... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it would not affect the opinion he has of me in any way, which is probably not much of one. But to your point, which I've, I've never said to your point before. <laughs> yeah, pretend this on, is like NPR. Uh, to your point. There's a lot on MSNBC here. Like, Welcome to, to your, your point. point. My guest today is Tom but Barry. But there is that thing of like... Oh, he's getting right to it. Where they... Uh, <laughs> Or you just go, man? Am I? Do I want something new, or do I want something good and new? Yeah. Do you are are you uh, when when you're back in New York? Are you doing like two, three, four shows a night, or is I would imagine if you're getting ready for something, maybe. But yeah, I, I haven't really. I mean, I, I I'm not. I don't know if I've slowed down a little bit, but I've I've slowed down a little bit. No, I I don't necessarily do three a night on a Tuesday, but sometimes I will. I mean, years ago, I think maybe over ten years ago, I. I remember hanging out with you in New York and basically just following you around to all these different, I mean, you hit up like Stand Up New York and then maybe, maybe even like UCB and then one or two other places. And I was like, and it was the first time, it was a really long time ago, but the first time I was like, oh my God, look at all these sets you can do. Yeah, I mean, it's there's crazy. Some guys will do eight on a Saturday night. You can actually make a living as a comic in New York. I know, because in New York, they... A lot of the rooms will, when they take money in, they'll share it with the people who are <laughs> crazy, <laughs> like 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 yeah, like that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there's some bar shows there too. But yeah, you can make a little bit of a. I mean, I mean it's not I, huge money, but you can make some money. Stand-up clubs should really not have a problem sharing the door because they make. So, I mean, it's different. I mean, look, with like a UCB type place, they're not selling anything else. Like, there's no. I mean, like. A comedy club is a restaurant. They're making a shit ton of money on food and drinks. There's a drink minimum. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk about UCB specifically, but I'll talk about the general concept of, uh, <laughs> of not paying. I just think that if you take money in, what are you taking it in for? You're taking it in for the show. And to give someone $10 after the show. It's reasonable. It's something or it's, it makes them feel good. It makes them feel as opposed to we keep all the money. Right. Like, which I mean, I talked to a lot of, a lot of rooms here, and then some in New York, where you just go, why? I mean, I've done shows in New York. There's a show in Knitting Factory that's a free show, and they pay you because they're making drink money. Right. So this, you know, there's always a little money they could give out. But once you start not paying people, I think it's an adjustment to go, oh, now I'm paying people. Kyle, do we pay people at Nerdist? Because I think we barely just break even. 
You pay, I mean, you pay, are you talking about the Meltdown show? The Meltdown, any of the, like, I mean, any you get, of the shows. you get gift certificates at the Meltdown. You get gift certificates, yeah. Which you is good if you're, in, if you're into comic books. But I know the theater, you know, I always said, like, as long as we just break even, I can keep the space open so that it just kind of, like, runs itself. But it doesn't, I mean, it's really more for the love, just, like, having a space to perform. It's not really a, it's not really a moneymaker. Hey, I didn't come here to attack you, man. <laughs> But if this you want to a, tell me the deed, your business model, then I might. This attack. is a deep. I mean, <laughs> the seething rage coming off you right now. But uh, yeah, I, well, think, I just want to make sure we're not being dicks to people by taking advantage of people. But we uh, we do. I think we do barely just break even. Break even. It's a good night. <laughs> All those sweet break even nights. Well, you have to keep ticket prices low because of the. You know, you want to make sure that it's not because there's some there's some places around Los Angeles that it's like. 20 bucks. You're like, who the fuck's going to... Yeah. Know? But I don't know. At some point, it's good to do shows that are 20 bucks. I mean, you go on the road, your shows aren't $5, are they? No, but you're not also not competing with like 100 other shows. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I also understand that people who are like maybe newer comics want to get on stage, so they're not going to be like, we go to charge money and pay people. They're just like, oh, you're letting me perform in your bar. Thank you. <laughs> and I get that. And I, I do those shows sometimes. Well, um, are you doing a, a tour to support? The yeah, special? Are you doing is, is the tour you're doing crowd work? It is. I'm, yeah. And I'm not getting paid for any of the shows. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> They're all free. No, I, I am doing what I'm calling the final crowd work tour because I do want to uh, not necessarily be known as just the crowd work guy. Well, it's always, it's always been the biggest challenge because um, typically, if you're doing television or if you're doing a, a special or you know, comedy movie or whatever, you don't do a lot of crowd work on those specials because it can be very difficult to capture, I mean, comedy is such a hard thing to shoot, period. Yeah. Because you really just kind of need to be there most of the time. And so if you're not a part of the group that's there, a lot of times the crowd work doesn't play. So was there, did you, how did you get around that at all? For the special? Yeah. Well, I mean, all I did was crowd work. I mean, all I did was entire shows, just crowd work. And some shows lasted an hour and 45 minutes, so... If you can get ten minutes out of that, then that's one segment of your special. And you know, I did seven cities. So, wow! But I mean, the shows are—they were into it. I mean, uh, but I mean, as far as filming it, we had cameras out in the crowd, and you know, if and they would hand someone a mic, which you don't usually have with crowd work. But if you're making a little <laughs> film, they hand them a mic, and then you know, cameras on them. And, usually, don't want to do that at a show. Is give someone a mic? Yeah, it's talking no, back it's, to you. it's actually. Hey, that guy's really drunk. Give him a mic, and yeah. then tell him to pass it to the bachelorette party. I know. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even want the mic. Was, was, was there any party that because you must have you must have discovered in the I don't know whatever it was uh, seven hundred minutes of stuff shows that you yeah. did. Uh, oh fuck! That'd be really great if I could have developed that more. I mean, is all that stuff gone? You're going to develop stuff more. You know that that's weird because people have asked me that, and I thought, oh yeah, maybe I'll get some material out of this. And it, I just find like a lot of it was so personal, where you're just talking to one person about their whatever they do, and you're making them feel. No, you're insulting them. No, but uh, <laughs> no, you're generally you just it's sort of specific. So it'd be like it'd be hard to write a bit about. Oh, I met this woman in Chicago, and yeah, she has this weird job. Now in the final in this final crowd work tour, what are you going to do when you start writing jokes again? And then people are like, "Do more crowd work." Uh, well, if you put that idea in their head, that's going to No, I am. Oh, I won't say. <laughs> I guess see China just I guess I'll just uh I mean, I always tend to do it anyway, but I just don't want to be like this is all I do. Which is why I released a special of me doing just that. 
<laughs> yeah, actually, I do remember that. I do remember that in New York being pretty blown away by the amount of... Uh, but, you know, the weird thing was... I felt like there's something about you as a comic that makes people want to interact more. Because it, I don't remember you calling out for people to talk back. I think I'm, I'm, I'm positive this was at Stand Up New York. And a bunch of people were just shouting at you. And then one woman was like, <laughs> you're kind of creepy. And then you said, I wish you were only kind of annoying or something like that. Oh, that's pretty good. It was good. Uh, <laughs> and that's a good it, one. And, 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 I, and I remember watching it and, and thinking, like, what did he do to spur this... Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Sometimes, if you're quiet, I mean, generally my shows, people are nice, and it's not like I just I would quit the business if they were just always yelling. But um, but as far as the uh, doing going back to jokes, I, I sort of equate it with a band like a heavy metal band who does an acoustic unplugged <laughs> show, and then people are like, hey, you better not pull out those electric guitars again. Yeah, you're it's right. It's like, no, we're pulling them out again. Yeah. Okay, I guess we'll be fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you're gonna just riff a whole set? Well, I mean, that's crazy. It's easier also when you're in band because then you just, you just pull out the guitar and you can just drown them out anyway. So. Um, are you aware that there's a really old headshot of you on the wall at Zany's in Chicago? It's an amazing picture. Um, is it the one where his little chest hair creeping over my T-shirt? I think so. Yes, I'm aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, look, I do look like a little boy in that. <laughs> a little bit. If it's the same, same headshot I'm thinking, which I think it is. Yeah, because sometimes people will, t- will tweet that picture. Tweet or, the picture. Or send me, they just send me a text with that picture. Hey, I saw you Yeah, yeah. You, I didn't know you played there when you were 11. That's cool. <laughs> are you doing clubs or are you doing um, theaters on the tour? I'm doing uh, sort of, basically music venues. Where I put chairs down. So, I guess, rock venues or music venues. Yeah. Do you like that? What are the... Because I always kind of go back and forth between, you know, each venue has a specific purpose. Like, I'll do clubs if I'm trying to work out new material. I'll do, you know, bigger venues if it's like, oh, I just want to just do one show and then not have to do five shows. Well, I mean... It depends, because if, if I go to, let's say, Philadelphia, and I do one show in a few hundred-seat place, I'll get, a, basically, people, everyone who wants to see me will show up, Yeah, and people who follow me on Twitter, as opposed to if I do a club, although the club there is good, but, you know, a club where they just paper the room, and they're like, well, these six shows, we hold 300 people, we've sold half that many tickets, time for the email blast, <laughs> <laughs> hello, office parties, and then you just get people who are like, you just, I just don't want to battle people. But you're doing a crowd work tour. That's, what That's not that... a battle. It's very gentle. <laughs> it's funny that um, it, I feel like the number of chaotic hecklers is very small. Yeah. Of people who actually want to de- completely destroy the show. And no matter how many times you bat them down, usually, usually people want to be involved or they're feeling a little buzzed and like i'm helping yeah 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 but it's pretty rare did you get anyone along the way who was just uh like a minion of death i mean in portland things were a little they were a little rowdy it it, which surprised me because it was portland yeah i've never but it was a little like holy i can't believe this is happening just kind of just it was more dopiness as opposed to like you suck or anything like that yeah just people who were out of control so is the special one show, or do you say you say it's it was, it's the whole, it was it's, seven? Yeah, seven shows. So there's uh, there's a little chunk from each show. Oh, yeah, it's very like a tour clever. doc, and then there's a little interstitial of me in a car driving to the next gig. 
me and my hotel room exciting stuff. So it's on Louis' site. So it's on Louis' site, but is it going to Netflix or anywhere? Uh, yeah, at some point I would hope that, I mean, I'm allowed, at some point I, it'll be mine to do whatever I want with. Oh, good. Which will not be just putting it in my uh, wallet or something. <laughs> just carrying around like, on a flash drive? Yeah, just carrying it. Want to see my comedy special? But then you actually have to watch it with the person. Yeah, and they go, what do you think? Wait, wait, it, gets better. it gets better here. <laughs> you can fast this is a good part. part. This is a good part. Fast forward this part. Yeah, I didn't, we should have cut this But out. yeah, I think, I mean, I hope to sell it to whoever will buy that kind of thing. I guess Netflix. Netflix, yeah. Netflix is a good, there are very few places where you could take your special because even at Louis even on Louis site people still have to go there on purpose they don't necessarily just trip over it mm-hmm. but net netflix is one of the few places where people could actually trip over it and go oh it got featured and then you know yeah cuz I'll sometimes I'll look at like the reviews on netflix just for to torture myself even though I haven't been reviewed on netflix and you just see people some of these specials like sort of not necessarily really well known comics who are like this has been reviewed rated fifty five thousand times or something and it's like well that's just the people who rated it yeah it's, yeah everyone I know who's done a special on Netflix says that it really makes things better I mean it's in in kind of trying to figure out you know how to unify the platforms of television and web and you know there are very few places that work the way TV does and because when I did my special. Some people said, oh, why didn't you release it online? I'm like, well, because I'm not Louis. <laughs> you know? Where did you and do yours on? Comedy Central. Yeah, I did my last one prior to this. People watch it. You know? and it's like, just like you don't want to get into like, the financials, but you're like, this is what I got for being on Comedy Central. <laughs> this is what I would have made if I invested my own money. You know well, I mean? not only that, but it's, you, know, uh, you, can, you do run the risk of releasing it online and, and really just a fraction of the people seeing it because – People do sit around and just have Comedy Central on, like, oh, I, oh, your special came on, and I, or I saw it in the guide, and I yeah. watch it, as opposed to, you know, if you're, I mean, you know, your special in a lot of cases or whatever your digital content is is basically one room of an infinitely sized house, yeah, and how you know, like, how do people find that one room? So yeah, that's true, but it is. I mean, I think the five dollar thing is is pretty good. The five dollar thing is, but it's not. I'm gonna, I, mean, I could give you a different answer now that I, I don't agree with what I just said. But, but people, know, people know who you are, and obviously people know that Louis, is, that Louis only puts out stuff that he really, 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 really cares about. Right. I mean, and it's, I, it, I certainly know that I've been hashtag blessed. That, uh, <laughs> Thank you for adding that, that hashtag. Uh, yeah, if I, the amount of attention I'm getting because he's involved is just exponentially larger than I would on my own. Are you? Um, I think uh, I used exponentially. Correctly. I think you used exponentially correctly okay. in that sentence there. Now spell exponentially. <laughs> Where did you start doing stand up? Was it in Florida? Flor- oh, Florida. Oh, that's right. We talked about this. You, you're the uh, infamous uh, Nerds Podcast number 29. Oh, yeah. What happened there? Um, well, you were my first. Was I bad or was it bad recording? Or... It was bad recording. Okay. You were the very. I was amazing. F- you were the very first podcast that I did. With a remote setup, like uh-huh. where I to, because it was in Montreal. Was it just for laughs? No, it was in Toronto. Is that where? Okay, it was in Toronto when Toronto did a ver- you know, like they did their own version of just for laughs several years ago, and um, and it was the first time I did the mobile setup, and um, I don't know what happened, but the audio was so inconsistent and bad, and I couldn't save it, and it was, you know, a bunch of people were like, I can't hear this, I can't, you know, like it was the first time that I had that problem, so I I felt really bad, but I just. I, I, Did you I, scrap it? 
I just took it down. Okay. And then for a while, it was really fun to just have this invisible podcast where people were like, what's podcast number 29? Like, and I was what like, did he say? I don't know one. what you're talking about. Like I said something hard. Like, I don't know. He no, confessed no, to no, a murder it, on that one. No, the podcast was great. It just the, um, uh, the audio was so unfortunately terrible. But... I learned a lot after that about how to. I mean, you <laughs> well, know. I'm glad I could help you learn how, <laughs> I'm how sorry. to do it right for the next guy. Was <laughs> for the next so his, few hundred people. His album sales spiked. Because <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Todd Barry. You know, we should just. I should just get you a. You know, a, a a Nerdist podcast jersey that says 29, and then like a little never forget ribbon on it with your last name across the right. Back. Let's do it. That would that would probably make up for it. Um, where did you Where did you start in Florida? Uh, a club called Coconuts in North Miami Beach, nice. Florida, and uh, yeah, it's twenty six years ago. How is the comedy scene in Miami? Well, at that point, it was probably pretty. It was good, ridiculous. It was hu- It was a great place to start. I mean, you they would have the open mic night, unlike you know L A or New York, where it's like you play to other comics waiting to go on. When you're starting. Yeah. Um, there you could just go, hey, I'd like to give this comedy thing a whirl. And then you would be on the regular show. Like a, they'd have a headliner there Tuesday through Sunday or something. And maybe on Sunday they'd have like five open micers and then the regular show. So there was like 100 people sitting there, 100, 200 people. And they were like, comedy. You know, it was, it was the comedy boom of the 80s. Is, co- is Coconut still there? I don't think that one. There might be one in St. Petersburg. But at that time, though, there was like seven of them. So, I mean, some, you know, you could go on tour and be like <laughs> completely unknown and be like, I, yeah, what are you doing? I'm spending two months in Florida telling jokes. Just bopping is, around. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not the worst life. The comedy bubble when it was just like you could just basically just like scoop your hand in the water and pull out a juicy fish. Because the, the waters were so frugal. yeah, and it made it easy to get um, easier to get. You could start getting paid right away, almost in Florida. Not necessarily huge money, but someone would be like, "Yeah, you know, we need people. We have these one nighters because you know the ten bars you drove by on the way to comedy club have comedy night. You know, some guy will go in and go, "Hey, you know, we'll be want to do comedy Thursdays here. I'll just I'll bring a PA and I'll provide the comics and Jesus. Do you have you seen any of your sets from then? Oh man! I mean, somewhere I have, somewhere I have a cassette of my very first time on stage, which I, I think I'll never find it again because I'm just so pack ratty and I'm starting to cry. No, I'm not starting to cry. But uh, I just hate that I lost it. I mean, I would be mortified to listen to it. But was your style at all what it is now? Amazing. Yeah, I was pretty good. <laughs> um, I, I imagine it was. I think it was a little more, you know, like, like I was trying to be Dennis Miller, but right. So I, oh man, Dennis Miller was what is one of the great comedy bum outs for me because of his his political turn. No, not it's. I don't even care about that. It's just that you know his first special was good. His second special was fucking amazing. His third special is basically like Skynet. He becomes too self aware. Right, and then all of a sudden, it's it's just like, oh, now these now you're just making references that don't make any sense, and he starts getting really preachy, uh, you know, as opposed to um, just being funny. He starts getting really preachy, and and then after that, I don't know, it just sort of like, yeah, I still like watching him like on way back on like the old Letterman show because you just like, wow, I don't never seen anyone talk like this or heard anyone talk like this. But he was, but or a comedian but, anyway. But and I also and I also think he was just kind of a dick. 
that because you there's one young comedian special who was it? Oh, Fred Stoller was on. I and and Dennis Miller introduces Fred Stoller in a young comedian special, and is and the intro gives him is like because you know Dennis Miller's whole he was just super cocky, yeah, and he was like, uh, I never seen this guy before, but uh, whatever they say, he's funny. I don't know. And it's like, why would you introduce a young comedian that way on yeah. television? That's so yeah, fucked up. I mean, he up. probably, I mean, I don't know, but he, he could have meant well, but he thought he was just doing it in his, in his persona. As but, a, maybe. But, yeah, but it, it's probably always better to give a little kind of a warm intro to someone. Because <laughs> don't drag them into your, uh, yeah. And the only time I ever met him, he was a huge cock. And then, oh, really? And then it really... Well, really you serve up the out. dish here, man. I do. It's a lot of I'm dish. Like a, a lot of Dennis like Miller dish. I don't do a lot of uh, trash and public trashing, but... <laughs> As long as it's all you doing it. Yeah. Well, and it's, it happened so long ago, so it doesn't really... And this was in the, in the 90s. In the 90s. But, but, it's, but it always sort of made me aware of, like, um, you know, just keep an eye on how you're evolving and make sure that you're still evolving with the audience and not... Because he sort of got to a point. I just think of him as an example of someone who got to a point and he was like, hey, I'm funny. It doesn't fucking matter. And then just started talking down at people which i think is you know and thought he could kind of get away with it and i think also probably getting rich probably doesn't always help but i don't know i mean louis rich and yeah, he doesn't he he's he's still but i but no, i think look that, what happened to him i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's why it's always probably better to hit success a little bit later because oh yeah because so you kind of understand like i mean even when you see him you know, when someone will go, hey, you know, you're the hottest comic in the country right now. And he goes like, well, maybe for now, but I don't know. I mean, like, I think he, I think we all pretty much understand, like, ah, it's, it, it comes in waves and sometimes right. it's not so great. Yeah, he's going to be done soon is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely over, it's for, over him. for him. But uh, no, I think that's true. And it's also just a lot of the people, because sometimes I think I'm old and then I realize, well, a lot of the people, even you go into UCB, a lot of the comics they love are twice their age if the average you know sure because I mean? it just takes that long and not in all cases but in a lot of cases it just takes like 20 years to really not only figure out uh, what you want to say but also have interesting things to say because you've lived and experienced things right. and you have a little bit of wisdom and there's there's a little bit of you know like if someone if someone who's 25 makes a claim about life you might be like what the fuck does that kid know versus you know, someone who's 45 like oh that guy's lived right yeah and yeah i was gonna say something but i forgot what was it about have you done any colleges lately where you have the reverse where they're like i've had that where you're like oh they don't even know what i'm talking about right <laughs> well yeah yeah <laughs> i mean their I've, parents pay their bills for them well that's when i <laughs> that it's that's when you stop. When I stop doing referential things, because I a lot of times, unless it, they're internet-based references, they just don't even, you know. Like I, I could even say, you know, Law and Order, and they'd be like, "What?" Because they just don't. It's, yeah, that's I don't no, I don't watch that. I don't know what that is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I mean, if you can get them to look up from their phone right, for a second, yeah. then uh, that, that, and then and then pay attention. But that's where I find, you know. That's where I find where I do the most crowd work is in a situation like that where I, I you know, well, I'll just, I mean, it, I, I can't necessarily just engage them with words and third party references because they don't get the references and they're slightly too 
not by any fault of their own. They're just young, but they're slightly too self-centered to think outside their own bubble in a lot of cases. Yeah. And so you go in and just start talking to them because as long as it's about them, then they're engaged. Yeah. Um, but uh, those shows can be a lot of fun. I mean, they can. If you're tired, they can be a little. They can well, be a little. College is just weird because uh, you just don't know. What you're walking into at all, at all. It could be you could be in a gorgeous theater, or it could be like, oh, this is the lunchroom and it's study hall, and you know, yeah. Or and there's varying degrees of how, whether they know what they're doing. The people putting on the show. Like, <laughs> you know, I've done shows where you're like, did you put any signs up? And they're like, oh yeah, over there. And it was like a glass case. With, we just put them up. <laughs> yeah. Did you want to go bigger than 14 points on that font? Maybe? <laughs> I mean, I see it now that my face is in the glass. But yeah, I but this hallway gets good traffic. It doesn't really seem like a poster. No, yeah. And then there's 11 people show up. But. So um, we're going to have you. Uh, there's a bunch of kids who, uh, who fail, who, like, who don't get to graduate yet, so they have to take one more class. So you're going to entertain them. And, um, but they have to be here. I do so like when I do a college and it's just like, even if it's small card, it's just like, oh, these are the, the, the outcasts. <laughs> or these are people who are like, hey, let's go to the show. They offer free shows I here. do have to say, the, the colleges that I've done in the last year or two have been fantastic. Like, they've been, the students have been really cool. It's been really fun. But going, but the, the benefit lately is that I've been on stuff and people know what they're coming to see. But when they don't know, it is a crazy, I mean, Mike Furman and I would show up at a college and they would go, and you'd get there, and they'd go, oh, so you're not allowed to swear. We're like, why didn't you tell us that before we got yeah, here? That's, well, that's a, that's a lame thing. That's just something like, no, that's a before-the-plane conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's not a, I land, and you just whisper it like, hey, you know, just, 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 a after, just a little thing you should know that you have to pull words from your act. What? Now? <laughs> I have to... Uh, uh, yeah, I did. I did a well. I did a I did a Jesuit college, and they and I said, oh, I went to, and they said no, no Catholic jokes, and I was like, but I was raised Catholic, and I went to Jesuit high school. Was this Notre Dame? It was not Notre oh, Dame. Yeah. It was in it was in St. Louis because I did a show at Notre Dame, and it was great. Well, I find that the the, the you know for some reason the the Catholic universities seem to want to protect their students more, but the students want filthier stuff. Yeah, and also I think a lot of these schools are not quite as uh, are a little more liberal than you think they are. Well, I did. Or I, some. It depends on the school. Huh? I did. T- I did say one thing that the students loved, but I could tell like the this you know the student who was in charge of the booking the show. I just kind of saw her face go into her hands, and it was my fault because I was specifically told not to do this, but I couldn't help myself. But it was. I started talking about how I went to Jesuit school, and I said, oh, yeah, and, and I told the joke that was the big, like, it was the big joke at our school that went around one year being taught by Jesuit priests, which was, um, how, is a, how is Jesuit priests like a Christmas tree? Both have balls for decoration, which is a totally harmless joke, but the students at the college loved it, and I just saw, the, I just saw them go like, oh, no, and, and, and I really, I felt real bad. Like, oh, it's just one dumb joke about... It's also, I mean, it's just like if you do corporate gigs, which I haven't done a lot, they always, they're just always like, G-rated, like, yeah, I, I'm sure these people don't ever use... <laughs> they don't I'm like sure they just all talk G-rated. Like, <laughs> all day guy, long. Guy loses 15 grand in an hour in the stock market. I'm sure he doesn't say, oh, shit, or something. Right. Oh, gosh, darn it. But they're, but they're afraid of... Uh, uh, you know, they're afraid of one person complaining. Right. 
So and it's their they, fault, and they're they kind their of cater to the, the one person who's the hypothetical. Like, but they they never want to. That's how all of our. That's essentially how all standards and practices work on television and in film and in those types of gigs. Is that if one person complains, one or two people complain. It's and like, now on TV, there's you know there's things where you'll you'll talk about a store chain or something, and they'll go, "Yeah, we don't know. We're gonna have to see if you can do that." Well, did you hear the joke? I talk about shopping there. I'm You're not, not allowed saying, to mention it. I'm not going. It's, I'm not saying. I'm mm, saying it. You in a can't say it life. exists. I'm sorry. You yes, can't even acknowledge its existence. It's like I'm not saying it's a shitty place <laughs> and don't go there. I'm actually saying their name out loud because something happened to me there, and and you you think it might offend someone? Just I feel like we're more afraid on stage than we were. You always think. I think we always wrongfully assume like, oh, as each generation or or as time passes, we evolve. In a in a positive way, or we we become more we become wiser, and I feel like particularly with comedy, we've become more afraid over the years because you know the the fear of getting called out for something and having it totally blow up in your face and maybe taken out of context. I mean, you know, maybe some people deserve that, but other people don't. But it doesn't matter. Well, sometimes people hear something like you know, you'll do a joke about some city, something that happened to you in a city, and it'll come up. Hey, why are you ragging on our city? I I said I was talking about how I went to the airport there and <laughs> something funny happened. That's what just happened to be at that airport. I'm yeah, like, don't mention that places are things. Just can you lose all the like, nouns? It's like you just you're like not even listening. You're like it just you, no proper nouns, don't, dude. Don't ra- don't rag on the fucking whatever. I don't, I'm afraid to say a city right now, even because. But yeah. then you just oh. yeah. And uh, on Talking Dead last night, we had mullets. We had these fake mullets, and I put one on. and I said something like, "Hey, kids, get in the car. We're going to Cracker Barrel." And then, uh, and then a handful of people were like, "Why do you have to South Bash?" And I'm like, first of all, I'm not talking about you specifically, and I'm from the South. I'm teasing it because I'm from there. Why can't I do we? hate that? Is a pet peeve of mine. Not what you did, because oh. I'm sure it was done with love. But Southern bashing drives me because <laughs> I know so many quote unquote liberal people who just have no problem just. You know, they think they're not prejudiced, but then, but an entire region of the country, they'll have no problem. Like just that's true. Or they'll they'll do a dumb person in their act, and they'll just, you know, sometimes I've heard it where they're like, they're doing an example of a dumb person, and they launch into a southern accent, and, and they're talking about like someone in Colorado. It's like it's like you don't even. <laughs> first of all, everything about this is offensive. Like, I I have to admit that is something that I've done in the past, Todd. Really, something that I've done. Well, I'll tell you why. And I'm talking about you. It's not. Well, you are. You are, and and I I take it. I take it, and I cop to it. But it's only because um, the the voice, the all the examples I think in your head of different archetypes of people are formed at a very young age. And so when I call up something, it's usually this guy because I grew up in the South. And so that, those are the voices that I hear in my head. And, uh, but, but I also recognize that, you know, if I still lived in the South and someone was like, all Southerners are dumb, I'd be like, well, I'm not, we're not all dumb, you know? Like, right. there are dumb people in Chicago. There are. There are dumb people in Canada. There are dumb people in Oregon. I don't know about Oregon. Canada, but I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to meet a dumb person in Canada. Where are you from in the South? Uh, Memphis. Oh, okay. Memphis, so you know about the South. Memphis, Tennessee. And my mom was from Florida, so I, I also lived in Florida part-time when I was a kid, too. So it was between... I lived in uh, Mem- I lived in Memphis, Jonesboro, Arkansas, Louisville, Kentucky, and Florida. Oh man! So, so I was, you're allowed to trash this. I was uh, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't be allowed to trash this out. And I feel bad when people think that I'm shitting on my. I, I mean, I, I guess in my head I always think of it as 
I guess now I'm just too much of an outsider because I've been gone for so long. But in my head, I think of it as we and not them. But I guess, I guess you know, I lack the context now for people to really, you know, and it's not like if, um, you know, if Foxworthy goes on stage, he's real Southern, so people know that he's one of them, you know. But to me, I just sound like an asshole who's, I just sound like a fucking a coastal dweller. Yeah. So it, I, I'm sure it sounds more like a them, them, them than an us, us, us. But that's not how it sounds in my head. Well, fix that. <laughs> I'm going to fix it, Todd. I've already fixed it, Todd. Send, send me some clips, and I'll, I'll punch Jeez, Oh, my God. I have to submit these to you? <laughs> I'll you're, tell you. I'll go, yeah, that's what I was talking about you're right the there. You're the guy? At, at 16.15.04 is where I 16.15.04. It's 16 hours, 15 minutes yeah, yeah, of my four right, seconds right, of my set. Man, someone had to call me. I knew, that, I, knew I was going to screw up that time I'm going to break Dane's record, man. I'm going to be on stage for 28 hours. I knew I'd screw up that time code joke. <laughs> As I was saying, I was like, oh, this isn't going to be accurate. Do you still like watching comedy? Do you ever go just to watch? Yeah, I, so I don't. I, I mean, occasionally I will uh, watch. Because you just get so much of it just kind of going to clubs. and it's just It's there in, yeah. in your environment. But like last night, uh, I was at the Improv and I watched a little bit. I was on the show, but it was also fun to watch these people who because I don't see them. Where in New York, you know, I see like, all right, I've seen you 900 times. Right. Think. Um, but occasionally, like I went and saw Cosby. I was at South by Southwest. How was that? That was fucking amazing. I mean, it just, just, uh, I'd always wanted to see him. And then weirdly they hired him to play in like a 300 seat tent at South by Southwest. Funny or die hired him. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So I'm sure they just said this is going to be a big expense, but, but he was you an know, hour and a half, which I'm sure is an abbreviated set for him. Just effortless, really funny. And he's like 80 years old, man. Just is there any... Um, when you watch Cosby, do you have heroes that you sort of go, oh, I really wish I could do that, but I just that's just not in my bag of tricks? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, a lot of people who I... You know, maybe a higher energy comic, I, go, I wish I could... You know, who's like a naturally funny higher... Like a Brian Regan or something. Right. Where you go, oh, God, I wish. Like, I could maybe think of that, what he just said. But I can't make it as hilarious as he just made that. Did you always have the rhythm that you have? I, I, I'm sure I did. I doubt that I was a screaming lunatic when I started. And then, I don't know. I'm sure, I think my cadence probably changed. But I don't know to whatever annoying cadence I have right now. <laughs> not, on, not on podcasts, but on... Put on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm just, I'm wondering if it's sort of a... If it's a zone that you sort of just settled into after a while where you kind of go like, oh, this is the sweet spot for how my words play the best. Uh, I, I think I did settle into it. I mean, some guy once, he annoyed me. He gave me a note off, like this guy who teaches a comedy course in New York. Who I, he's not even a comedian, but he did say something like, he was trying to tell me that I talked wrong. He's like, this is like normal voice and this is the, your stage voice. You should do talk in your normal voice. And I don't know if he was completely wrong about that, but I... I do know that I get I get locked into a little groove when I have something that I've really prepared, yeah, and done a lot. Do you when so outside the crowd work? Were you have, were you writing the whole time during the crowd work tour? Like, were you writing future material? Uh, I, to the extent I write, yeah. I mean, I, I I write. I don't. I I don't know. I don't have a disciplined writing. Uh, what's the word? Habit. That's not the ritual. But I mean, I kind of something pops in my head. I write down a little keynote, a keyword, and then hopefully remember what I meant. 
And then it just sort of comes out. As and then I work it out on stage. I've tried to sit down and, and I want to try some more to actually just like sit in the coffee shop and like just work on this joke. Because if you sit there for an hour, something's going to come out. It is, but, but the, thing, the problem that I find with that is that then it becomes less an exercise of discovering something that's funny and more of an exercise of memorizing lines. And when you're memorizing lines, I find that it's a little bit harder to... But the thing is, you're writing those lines, so it's not... I always forget them. Like, yeah, no, I'm not saying I'm some disciplined guy, but I mean, I think, because I used to say, I write on stage, man, it's, and it felt really cool to say I write on stage. And I still basically do that. But then I was like, sort of like what I was saying, where you're like, well, if I have this idea and I sit here for an hour, I, I can think of something else. Like, what else is funny about this? What else is funny? And just write a couple of words down. Right. And then try to work that out on stage. But, I just write bullet points. I was just like, it's just, you know, here's the thing, and then here are bullet points that make yeah, it funny. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, what I, cause that's what I end up basically doing, but... I'm basically I'm telling what you should do that I don't do. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's you know that that's usually just because you don't do it doesn't mean it's not good advice. I mean, those are the, I mean, like I wish I wrote like Birbiglia, where I just you know like these are the hours that I'm going to write every day. Yeah, I mean those guys. I, and by the end of it, I'm going to have you know. What's his schedule like? I mean, I know him. I don't know now, but I mean, like at least for a while, it was like a nine to five. You know, and and I and I know that if I wrote. Even three days a week from nine to five, I would have a fuck ton of new stuff within a month. I remember talking to Colin Quinn many years ago, and I was like, God, can you imagine if we all wrote like an hour a day? He's like, he's like imagine if we wrote 15 minutes a day. <laughs> and I, I mean, I know what he meant. He's so right. I mean, he's right. I mean, Not even. I mean he wasn't even like in saying it in like a self He was saying it in like, that would even. <laughs> it would That be. would advance. Like a week. That would be, you know, like two hours a week that it, you didn't write. It would be. It, I mean, that even, and, and that's totally manageable. It would be yeah. totally manageable. And yet, every day, you know, like, no, because I think it's, um, I think it takes, I think the problem is that it takes about 10 or 15 minutes just to settle into the writing. Yeah, that's fine, though. You got to have your coffee or whatever you want to do, but. Uh, Get distracted. Yeah. But well, the internet's there, and it wants you to look at it. I know. It. There's always like, do I go to the coffee shop that has internet or the one that doesn't have internet? Well, that's okay. I'll just take my phone. And, and then phone, yeah. Need it. Oh, yeah. Need oh, good. We'll bypass that whole problem. <laughs> <laughs> do you find that, um, do you find that a comic can sort of get across who they are without being on the nose and saying, because that whole thing about like, what are you trying to say? What's your voice? What is it that you're, you know, there's a difference between someone going, you know, this is what I do and this is what I like. And here's what I'm about versus someone who I think like your personality drives a lot of your comedy and, and says a lot about who you are Yeah, because you're not, because you, you present things in such a specific way. Do you ever, take stock or think about like you know what am i trying to say or what is it or you just go oh this thing's funny and i'm just gonna say it because it's funny i think that is what i do but and there are times where i have this like where i'll be telling a joke and i'll be like why do i even tell this joke it's like it's such a <laughs> fucking or, or you just feel like you you know you be talking you go hang on i gotta work on that new pizza joke and you just feel so like what is, what is the point <laughs> <laughs> Like this new pizza joke. But then again, I don't know. The stuff I laugh at isn't always like serious, deep, smart stuff. I mean, comics to getting together, it just, it's, it's offensive and stupid, I think is what 
Who else are you enjoy? Who else are you enjoying at the moment? Comedy wise, yeah. Um, I just been rewatching my crowd work special over. No, I. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's probably not the answer you were looking for. Todd Berry's. Um, who? I mean, I, there's people who I always will like. You were talking about going to see comedy, like Stanhope. I'll go see when he comes to town. Like, yeah, like he's it was super dark and just different and just there's no one like him that there's, I can think of. There. Uh, there are very few people in the world, and maybe Doug's the only one that could get away. I think that's how you know when a con- when someone yeah. is really on the next level because the stuff that he says on stage, I can't imagine anyone else getting away with, and people w- without people going, "Oh my god!" and leaving, and they fucking doubled yeah, over. Yeah, he laughing. seems to. Uh, yeah, there's a thing where you're like, God. I mean, I saw him on his last special. Well, I saw him in Caroline's do this before they had a special where he just like on Mother's Day was talking about his mother's suicide and he opened with that. This was a show on Mother's Day. And like, <laughs> like, holy shit. This is like, and at Caroline's, which is not necessarily, you know, the, the grittiest club. But. but I really, I really think that the, the way that that's okay is that I think it just boils down to authenticity and you can tell when it's really organically coming from who a person is as opposed to I'm going to just say shocking things on stage cuz I don't you know I don't get the sense that he's purposely trying to shock people it's just that's what his life is. Yeah, and his stuff is really well written. I mean it's like I think he's a guy who probably drinks a lot and does whatever else you do and but still somehow gets the job done and every time you see him he's got a new like he's a guy who, who I feel like he goes on stage and says let me tell you what happened at the hotel today. And you know that it really happened at the hotel that day. <laughs> like, it was not like, hey, so today. I'm like, no. This- you told that last week. No. Right. Well, I think that um, uh, it's interesting that funny trumps everything. That's what we were talking about before about, you know, people being easily offended. Or like, as long as something's funny, even if it's really offensive, it still gets a pass as long as it's funny. I think it depends on, like you said, who says it, though. Like, if you're just confidently... I, there's jokes where you watch a guy go, oh, uh, if I went up there and did that, they would just hate me. I would be crucified, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, someone like Patrice O'Neill, who was great, his special was great, but I felt like, man, like, if I went up there and said that stuff... <laughs> You'd never get away with it. Yeah, I'd be like, no, no, you fucking... But he's just... He just... He did it in a way that was so... Yes, authentic. And when have you found? Can you think of any examples when you were <laughs> when you were saying something and then you immediately went, "Oh, this is not going to go. This is going to go sideways." Uh you mean just jokes that don't work in general? Not not just jokes where people don't respond, but just jokes where it just gets away from you, and then people are like, "Hey, you know, like, do you?" I, I guess you're not you're not really that you're not really that way. <laughs> I mean, it's not. I don't. I don't think of. I don't think of you as necessarily a, a, like people going. Oh, how could you say that? I mean, it's definitely happened. I mean, uh, there's a joke I used to do, uh, just about. It's not. It's, it's an okay joke about this pedophile who swirled his face. No, he posted pictures of like sort of just gross pictures, and then swirled his face and 
these people figuring out how to get the guy, so they just unswirled his face. You know, they just yeah. had the technology. Oh, this is the thing that actually happened. Yeah, this was a news story, and I, I was telling this once. <laughs> I mean, there's more to the joke, but it was not like, ha-ha, pedophilia is really funny. It was about a pedophile, but it was not. It was more about, as a friend pointed out, because no, the joke's about law enforcement. Yeah. It was not even, and there was a woman up front who was just uh, laughing, laughing, laughing. Then I said pedophile, and I could just see her, and I was like, oh, my God, like, bummed out and her like husband or whatever was consoling her oh no and and then you know and then i just see it like the whole rest of the time she's also front row center yeah and then afterwards i'm selling my merch and he comes up to me and this was at caroline's he's like uh, hey uh that's good can i give you some uh feedback or something i go which you know <laughs> but i guess i can't st- i'm not going to tackle you so you don't give it to me and he's like you know you, you might want to lose that pedophile joke like, oh, I, might, I should lose it? Totally. Like, like, and it's basically like, I go, what about, you, you know, jokes about, can I say murder on stage? Because should I not say anything that might trigger a memory in sure. someone? Yeah. And did, I go, you, did you talk to the woman at all afterwards? I didn't talk to her, but I talked to him because I'm sure he said, I'll talk to the guy. Right. But as, and it's like, why? I go, what about movies? Can, do you have, can they have like a scene with a bad guy in a movie? He's like, well, you know what's going to happen in a movie. Oh, what? You, you read the script before you go to the movies? Like, <laughs> Just, I go, I go, that joke's not even offensive. And I just, I was the thing where it's like, oh, you want to talk to me? Then let's fucking. It's just because you just said the word. Yeah, I said, that's what I said to him. I go, so I just, I shouldn't say the word pedophile. It wasn't like saying pedophilia is funny or pedophilia. It was just like. No, no. It was something that this guy did that was ridiculous. Basically, she's sitting there and she's, you know, had this terrible thing happen to her. And I mean. You could go to a movie and, and see some joke about it or in the movie or something. And there's certainly darker pedophile jokes than the one I told <laughs> where it's actually making light of it. But, but yeah, it was just the idea of like, you know, hey, you might want to lose that joke. I was like, oh, okay, let me, let me not do it anymore. And did you stop doing it? No, no, no. I mean, I, mean, I haven't done it in a while just because I, you know, I'm, I'm writing all the time. But I, I found uh, that... Um, I, f- I found that uh, I-, I was... You know, my set was getting really filthy. Like, and and I didn't think of myself as a filthy comic. But then when I look at when I looked at my set, I was like, I'm pretty fucking gross and dirty. And then I was starting to just feel guilty if I would see like older people in the audience and just be like, Ugh. and then I I realized that um, you should probably either had to be comfortable with that or just not do those jokes anymore. But you should never you should never go on stage kind of feeling like, oh, I'm so sorry about everything I'm about to say. Yeah, there's jokes where I've talked about, you know, an ethnicity or something where you're like, it's not even offensive, but you kind of see someone and you're like, kind of do a little like, uh, oh, they left. Okay. Okay, good. Okay, you're checking in. You're just so, because I hate, I mean, I am paranoid about that kind of stuff. Do you think comedy fucks you up for being social in the sense that, just like you said, when you're on stage, you essentially become pretty aware pretty acutely aware of where everyone's at in the room. I mean, obviously you can't fully know, but you get pretty good at like, you're checking in. Okay, that guy's okay. Okay, that guy. Oh, he might have been offended by that joke, but he seems okay. Okay, he's laughing. Oh, they're upset. Oh, that woman. Oh. Do you feel like that going into social situations, that that completely fucks you up because you're you're overly analyzing the energy of a room? Um, That's weird. I was talking to Rick Overton once on my podcast, and he, uh, and I overheard him say something where he said, uh, Comics' job is to find out, 
to find out what's wrong with something. And he goes, that doesn't end to tell you what's wrong with something. And that doesn't end when they leave the stage. And which, so I guess there's that element to it, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, you don't become a completely different person on stage for the most part. So if you're like someone who's sharp and calling people on their bullshit, then you probably notice the bullshit off stage as well. <laughs> you just don't call them on it because there's not a bouncer with you. That's true. <laughs> and you can't have them escorted out. Right, exactly. Okay, I'm going to have you thrown out. No, Because you do a- get that confidence on stage that you need to sort of, where I've said things to people were like, I can't believe I said that, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah or just, yeah. Like, like, I probably wouldn't argue with this guy in a bar, but if you're sitting out there and being a dick. But now there's a little bit of a dynamic of power where you, you can, yeah. can kind of just go to the edge, and as long yeah. as you don't push too hard, you can get away with yeah, it. Yeah, that edge is always a, a delicate thing. And then there's times where you're just going, oh, I just got too mad about that. Are you good in, are you good in social situations? Uh... I would say some people would say yes, and others would say <laughs> it depends if if I'm relaxed around someone. I mean, I would say generally I'm not super comfortable, but I'm not like someone who's like I don't want to go to the party. Oh yeah, I'm one of those people. Oh. I don't want to go to the bar. Well, actually, I can understand why you don't want to go to a party, but I'm some social, but I'm not like gregariously. I think I'm nice to people when they talk to me, but I I'm not. And I see some people just do it so well. Like you do it well socially. Yeah, like if something comes up to you, I mean, I'll say, "Hey, thank you." I know you know. I know you didn't just mean when fans come up to you, but no. When pe- <laughs> I know that to me that was defining socially. Oh, you mean when fans come up oh, to me on the street? They came up and and so my special the crowd work tour, um, which is available now on Louis C.K.'s site. Yeah, um, I'm pretty. You know, it is it is strange that you could talk to you could talk to a hundred thousand people. As long as you're holding the microphone, but if you got dropped into the crowd, or I should say, if I got dropped into the crowd, I might be a little like, I don't know how to talk to people. Yeah. Like it's it's strange to be able to talk to a group, but then one on one, just go, go like, yeah. There's some people, and then there's people who don't understand that, who are like, what do you mean you're shy? You just went on stage. <laughs> exactly. You're supposed to be a comedian. Right. It's, Across I'm, all social situations. I'm like most performers. I'm a little <laughs> shyer than I am when I'm on stage. But yeah, I get strangely quiet in like those types of social situations. I think before I did stand up a lot, I was I would perform in a I would perform in a room. Yeah. But the the stand up part really separated those things. And now, if you know, if I'm in a party or social, I, I just get, I just get kind of quiet. Yeah, I mean, there's always the people who have some sort of expectation of you that you're either going to be like the sad clown or just the life of the party. I think that's the benefit to being as much yourself on stage as possible. Is that it's not like you know. It's not like you're if you're a Brian Regan comic and then someone comes up and they're like, "Hey, nice to meet," you. and you're like, "Hey, I can't, I can't talk to you," and then it'd be like, "Oh, but I, I don't understand," you know. But if you're if you're pretty much, I mean, would you say would you say you're pretty close to how you are on stage? I'm just trying to think how I am on stage. Super smart, good looking, yeah, <laughs> everything, yeah, it all it all. I mean, a, a little bit, but I'm probably. I hope I'm like nicer than I seem on stage. Maybe I mean, not that I'm so edgy, but. But I am pretty edgy. I, well, you do I've get got away. this new pizza joke that is. <laughs> You're finally taking down big pizza. No, I'm taking pizza. Yeah, 
But you do manage to do, you can do both types of rooms. You can do the alternative rooms, and you can also do the, the mainstream rooms at the same time. Well, I, I, that's another uh, thing I'm going to rip you apart for. No, I, please. No, I'm not going to rip you apart. But I just, I always feel like, when I've had people say that to me. Oh, you're able to do both. Like, anyone should be able to do both. Like, In theory, you should be Like, if you to. think of the best comedians, like, you know, someone like Patton Oswalt, like, you could drop him in any comedy club anywhere and and say, I want you to kill, and he'll fucking do it because he knows what he's doing. Right. And not in a compromising way, but it's like you've, you're skilled. Yeah. So the idea, it's like it's still just a room full of people waiting for you to do something. Do you – does your stuff uh, change depending on – I mean, obviously it does if you're just doing crowd work, but does your written set – do you alter it at all depending on the type of room or are you just like these are the jokes and that's I mean it? there's you go to UCB you know there's probably a reference or two you can make there that you can't make other places and a reference or two you, you can't make there depending on if it's some like an internet-y meme thing or something right I, I mean that's I don't know if that's a good example but just thing where they're more tapped into yeah that subject but I don't you know I don't have like okay I have my college set that I do I have my small town set I just do whatever I want, no compromising, ever. <laughs> just like the wind. Um, on TV, if I want to say fuck, I just say fuck. <laughs> That's not true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you change yours? Or? No, well, I, I do look at all of the jokes and go, well, these will probably play a little bit better at the college or these will play a little bit better at a club. But I, 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 it's not that I change, it's not that I changed all new stuff. I just sort of rearrange and kind of adapt what I think is gonna resonate more in each situation. Yeah. I, I mean, like if, if someone like hires me to do a temple or something, that just doesn't happen a lot. And I see it's people and it's like, all right, these people are nice, but they're not like, it's not like my fans. Right. And I want to do it like a joke, like, oh, I haven't done that joke in a while, but I think they'd really like it. Then I'll do it. I yeah. won't be like, oh, I'm not doing it. It's too old. And because not like some 58 year old dude's going to come up to you and go, hey, man, you did that 12 years ago. And uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy. I'm I the saw guy that online. on Carson Daly and you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want ultimately? Like, what is your big do you have a big comedy goal? Is it? Uh, venue or money or well, you mentioned playing to a hundred thousand people. I'd like to play that place. Would you really? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. No, that I sounds. Would, I think, I think sounds a lot, awful. I mean, I'm really like the idea of just being like I have to play arenas because I'm so big, which is not going to be an issue for me. I'm but you never tough. know that though. I know that there are there are people who are, got huge who are like oh, I did not see that coming. You do you just you don't know particularly with the way everything works now. Like you could fuck you know what's scary, but interesting exciting about the whole situation is like you know you could be on stage somewhere or you could be on stage at the cellar have one exchange with someone someone records it puts it on youtube and somehow it blows up and then all of a sudden yeah you know they're completely unintentional which is has always been the funniest thing to me about this business is that it's there's so much intention of what we try to do and what we try to achieve and a lot of times while we're busy doing that it's the thing over there that we're not paying attention to. It's like, oh, that thing over there was, that's the path, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know the arena thing now. It's not, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it because it the offers haven't really rolled in arena yeah. But it just does seem like, oh, this just, it suddenly has to be this big fucking thing. And 
I don't know. I feel like a, the ideal audience is like 100 people, really. But not that, <laughs> I mean, size-wise, like as far as like if you just, if all things were being equal, like, I don't know. What size room would you play if, if you knew you were going to make the same money? I think, um, eh, I think it depends on what I was in the mood to do. If I was in the mood to just do a bunch of crowd stuff and talk with people, then I think um, 300 is yeah. about the max because then you can really kind of get yeah. in and, and it's big enough that you can feel the energy of the room, but, you, but it's still intimate enough that you can fuck around with people. But I think if I were doing a more presentational set, I think 2,000 is probably the high end of what it what should be. Because if, if the room is situated properly and it's, it's not too deep a room, but it's tiered, mm-hmm. then a room of, you know, like a room of 2,000 people who are all amped up, it feels pretty fucking amazing. Yeah, but beyond yeah, that, it, you just get lost. Yeah, I mean, I, I do love the, when I've done big theaters with other people, obviously. <laughs> By the way, it's not, I'm not saying I do 2,000 seaters all the time, but the times that I have yeah. done them... We all get to do one of those once in a while. Yeah. But maybe not we all, so I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Some guy will be listening and go, I actually haven't done a 2,000 seater. Fuck you, man. I didn't get to do that. But you must have... I'm sure you've been on the, I'm sure you've been on the road with Louis. Yeah, Louis. And I've, you know, I, I, I've been lucky. I did... You know, I went to Australia with Sarah, and I did the Sydney Opera House. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and this other place in Melbourne, which was beautiful. So, and I did Carnegie Hall a couple of times. Wow. And uh, I've done, uh, yeah. Are there any jokes that you did at Carnegie Hall, the Sydney Opera House, where, you're, where you go, I, I can't believe I'm saying this joke in this venue? I had fantasized. I, I used to do, it's weird that you say that, because there was a gig I was trying to get at Carnegie Hall, open it up for someone. I, it doesn't matter who it was. But, and I was just fantasizing, because at that time I did this joke about a, a guy who I saw masturbating at an ATM. I mean, it's an old joke of mine, but um, it's way back, and I was like, God, how cool would that be? To be like, uh, well, it was not only fun saying that at Carnegie Hall, it's fun closing with it. Thank you. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, yeah, I mean, the whole Carnegie Hall thing is just like... It's weird, because on one hand, you're like, holy shit, this place... It lives up to... The, have you been to Carnegie Hall? Yeah, I've only seen shows. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay. This place lives up to the hype. But then you're on stage sometimes, and you're just like, oh, I'm kind of just doing what I do. Yeah. At Carnegie Hall. <laughs> but it's weird that how some rooms have this heavy... Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Do you feel just, good after a show like that? Or are you like, oh, well, I guess that's you know the thing that you built up. Like, oh, I guess I did that now. Sometimes you build stuff up, and you're kind of like... Yeah, I mean, there's times I've done TV or whatever, and or something like that, and you're kind of like, "Oh, that was fun," and you're, you're kind of like, "Shouldn't I be like fucking clicking my heels and <laughs> doing backflips?" But that's not realistic. I feel like you you'd almost have to maybe be good to hire a some type of celebration team so that when you get a <laughs> yeah, because you can have those situations where you you do something like that. And then you walk off stage and you're like, oh, I'm alone now. And it's weird. And it's like, oh, it's just not, I don't know. I feel this kind of strange disconnect that you just want some team there with like a big novelty check and a guy throwing up confetti and then take pictures and like, yay, this is. But it's also kind of cool to just be like, oh, I was, you know, I just did Letterman tonight and now I'm walking around in the suit that I wore <laughs> and I'm going to go get a frozen yogurt here. Is that fun? Is Letterman? I've never, I've never done Letterman. No, um, it is fun. It's, uh. It's, 
Yeah, they're really pumped. I mean, it's very nerve-wracking to me. Um, because it's Dave or just because? Because it's, it's just, yeah, it's just like, on one hand, it's like it's four and a half minutes, where if someone said, can you go do a four and a half minute set tonight? And you'd be like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I won't even think about it until I'm right. on stage. But then there's just so much, like, there's just pressure. You know, he's sitting there, a million people watching you, maybe more than that. Uh, and you just get into your own head. Like, I'm doing Conan today after this, and I'm, you know, I'm freaked out about that. Oh, that'll be fun, though. Yeah, I, I always try to say, yeah, it's fun. you have a fun job. Make, have fun with it. Instead of just getting, I don't know. And it's also, by the time you get to TV, it's, you know, the entree is done. I mean, it's, it's like you basically, it's just, well, these are the things. Right. Well, I've done them a million times, and I'm going to present them. Are you doing old stuff or new stuff or crowd worky stuff? I'm going to do like a short set of uh, stuff that I haven't done on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all new, four minutes. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do once you burn through that four minutes? Then I'm going to do a little panel segment, and then they're going to show a clip of my special. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that it's... There was a period of time where comedy was... Where stand-up was... <laughs> people were the talk shows were just like, not so much anymore. Really? I, I think I, so. In the early 2000s, like, it was just... Feels like there there was a lull where I think they just sort of seemed like there they did have some stand up on television, but I feel like there's more stand up on television in the last couple of years than there had been in the previous ten. I mean, it, it's as far as those talk shows are. I mean, I'm sure you're very aware, but like some of those shows, like I'm sure Letterman's probably not even fully booked for this week. You know what I mean? Like I've gotten calls to do Letterman the morning of. Oh wow! And. uh so it, there are times where like, oh, shit, we need to fill six minutes. Yeah. Call up that guy who's been waiting around. <laughs> Hope he's got his little jacket ready to go. And then you show up and they're like, oh, sorry, uh, the first segment went long. So I, I, yeah, that happened to me. I've been bumped twice on Letterman. and one you threw t- a tantrum, right? I fucking, no, the sad thing is like, you're kind of relieved. You're like, oh, fuck, I don't, yeah. you get paid and you don't have to do the set. Like, there's, you can't bomb if you don't do the set. Yeah. Um, but I remember once, yeah, they were, they were, uh, I was upstairs in the dressing room. They go, oh, we're going to bring you down now. I go, yeah, I'm just going to pee for a second. I'm just going to go pee. I go pee. Uh, yeah, uh, we're at it. We're not going to be able to use you. <laughs> <laughs> because I peed? And, that's, that's, and I'm like, I was, uh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking, that, and it had nothing to do with the fact that I peed, but it, it seemed that way. <laughs> the timing of it seemed like, yeah, you, you blew it by peeing. Oh, no. But it wasn't because I peed. It was just because suddenly, you know, all it takes is him to get, you know, want to do an extra three minutes with Julia Roberts. And that's it. Yeah, and then you're done. But although now they put you on second on Letterman, so it makes it much less likely that they'll run out of time. Well, that's good. Well, I I hope that we made up for the missing episode 29. I think the sound quality is phenomenal on this one. You know, my my only complaint about this particular room, which is on the at midnight, near the at midnight stage, is that um, it's very echoey. But other than that, I don't know. Kyle, I think what we're going to have to do is just get you to... We're just going to have to post you on the wall and let your body absorb the sound so it doesn't bounce around so much. <laughs> it's, you're going to help us. You're going to help us absorb some of the sound, Kyle. I would appreciate it. And Todd Berry, yes? I was going to say thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Yeah. And um, when, hopefully I'll see you in, in New York. You're going back this week? I'm going back tomorrow night. I'll be there on Thursday, I think. Oh, really? What rooms do you like in, in New York at the moment? Um, I like the cellar I like a lot. Yeah. 
place called Eastville in the East Village. That's cool. It's a place called The Stand. Mm-hmm. You, you, I saw you at The Stand. Was I there? Yeah. Remember I ran out? In, I saw you in the street? Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing you in the street. Oh, yes. That's right. The Stand. That place was fucking great. Yeah. That was, the place was really great. Yeah. It was, it was a nice... Yeah, it was a real a nice, intimate. Uh, the the the, the bar and the restaurant upstairs, and it was a good club. I really liked that place a lot. What are you going there for? Um, just for I, I I have to go there for a TV like to do the upfronts. Okay, I thought the upfronts were, happened already. There are some upfronts this week. Holy shit! So, Get my uh, upfront invites. Yeah. Sorry, it's probably in your. Uh, you just have to check your spam. It's probably sometimes up front. <laughs> oh, you got invited to. Oh my god! I created a filter that sends all upfront emails into spam. Real Housewives of Atlanta invited me to their. Oh, to the upfronts. I don't even know if that shows on the air anymore. I don't know. Is it, Kyle? Uh, Finally, something you don't know. But amazing. But my new special on LouisCK.com. Yeah, uh, the Crowdwork Tour. It's five dollars. Five dollars on. People are saying really nice things about it. Except for two people, everyone's been really nice. <laughs> Did you engage them? Oh yeah, I fucking retweeted and I sent. I sick. I sicked my uh, people after them. Fuck you guys! Here come the fans. <laughs> hey, how come no one's? <laughs> no one gives a shit. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Todd Berry. Are we done? We're done, Todd oh, Berry. That was fun. Todd Berry. Todd Berry's on Android. Seems about. I gotta pee. Well, we're gonna bump you if you pee. I've had to pee for. We're gonna bump you. You're gonna get bumped if you go pee. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.